1: Welcome in to On to Waveland, the Chicago Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Michael Beller sitting in for Brett Taylor in the host chair here today on uh, Friday, October 9th. Joined, of course, by Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney. Uh, Guys, we've had a week or so here, right? It's been a week to uh, digest the end of the Cubs season. Uh, Already, one week later, we have an NLCS matchup set between the Dodgers and Braves, Astros in the ALCS. And we're going to get the other partner for the Astros in the ALCS later today on Friday with the Yankees and Rays getting together for a five-gamer. So baseball season moving right along. Without the Cubs, uh, we've already talked on our last couple of episodes about the Webstein's press conference, of course, and uh, sort of a where do the Cubs go from here, a postmortem of 2020. So let's take that where do the Cubs go from here question and put a fine point on a few things that we could be seeing or not seeing, as the case may be from this team this offseason, and Sahadev, we'll start with a piece that you wrote uh, earlier this week at The Athletic, uh, touching on the fact that this is a free agent class that is going to have a lot of intriguing available hitters, not just to the Cubs, but league-wide. There's going to be a lot of interesting bats that are available this winter, and yet, maybe the Cubs can't get in on them, even though some of these guys could be really good fits for the problems we have talked about year after year here for this Cubs offense.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's there's contact hitters available. There were two years ago, too. Michael Brantley and DJ LeMahieu are available again. I mean, if you're watching the playoffs, you can see the value of of contact and, and guys that, that put the ball in play. Michael Brantley is tearing the ball off the cover once again. Uh, you talk about an offense that struggled during the season and then figured it out and their talent kind of uh, rose to the top in the post- postseason. The Cubs were not that group. The Houston Astros continue to be that group. Uh, they're, they're not going to be spending money though, to address these issues. I mean, they, they, they're well aware of their problems. Uh, they, they know what holds they have on offense. It's not like they're blind to any of this, but don't expect them to suddenly say, okay, here are the answers yet again, available on the open market. Let's address them in the easiest fashion possible. Uh, go get DJ Lemayhew uh, and stick him at second base and put him in the leadoff spot, whatever. Or you know, if if Chris Bryant's traded, stick him at third base. You have options there. Michael Brantley, you could stick in a corner outfield spot and and a, uh, and address uh, uh major issues uh, with contact. It, it it would be so simple to do that. I mean, even Tommy La is available, right? And they could go back to a guy that uh. That, uh, you know, had had an interesting tenure with the Cubs, but is a completely different player than he was uh, uh, when they traded him Uh, in the sense that he was always a contact guy, always put the ball in play. But that's just not a it does not seem like that's going to be a direction they're going to go. They're certainly not going to spend money uh, aggressively like we saw the last time we saw that was when they signed Darvish. Right. That was the last time we saw them really pursue a big name and and i think we kind of maybe we all accepted that this wouldn't be a yearly uh occurrence but the fact that it's now been three this would be the third off season where they don't spend aggressively uh has to frustrate fans obviously this is weird circumstances and different than ever before but still the fact that there's going to be a lot of money coming off the books uh that's likely just the way it's going to be that money needs to come off the books uh because Spending is going to be down across the sport and the Cubs aren't going to be one of those organizations that kind of uh, compensate, uh, not compensates, but, you know, takes advantage of a situation that uh, isn't ideal for most teams. But I think there will be a couple of teams that say, "Okay, well, this is an opportunity for us to pounce. The Cubs aren't going to be that team. Uh, If anything, we have to watch out. Are they going to be a team that cuts a little bit more aggressively uh, than others? That's that's more of a of a question than will they pursue these obvious uh obvious players uh, to fill in holes that we've known about for years
3: well i think that playoff loss to the marlins is way more understandable seeing how well they performed against the braves (laughs) in the next round and proving that they are the next great rising power in the national league uh
2: and how many runs did the Braves score over three games? Like I think it was eighteen or nineteen Sorry. runs. and The Cubs scored one, and two. Like, I feel like on.
3: every time I turned on Twitter, they were up like seven runs in like the first <laughs> or second inning. Um, yeah, it's funny when you mention that Darvish off season because I keep thinking back to how you know they were given what like Drew Smiley like ten million dollars just to like rehab and you know see if he mm-hmm. could you know feel better to pitch you know, maybe by the end of that season, and then just as an insurance policy for the following season. Uh, You know, this idea of Darvish's contract was structured in a way uh, in terms of luxury tax calculations to where they could fit in a a Bryce Harper or Manny Machado, not so much in reality. And, you know, I think it's going to be really interesting to see if they can – Kind of go back to their their roots at the beginning of Theo's time here, of when they were really really targeted. Um, they were uh, very resourceful and, and frugal in finding the Scott Feldmans and the Paul Mahomes, and I'm not sure if there's a guy quite like that uh, on the offensive side. But certainly that's kind of where their headspace is going into this off season. I think our friend Brett Taylor. I think on the last show said maybe eight to $10 million is a reasonable kind of guess in terms of the flexibility that they'd have this off season. And sure, maybe you find a taker for a a Kyle Schwarber. And certainly I think there's going to be a ton of non tenders within the Cubs uh, and across the game. And that should uh, push some of these prices down. But yeah, I really kind of fascinating I think gonna be long offseason for the Cubs
1: I mean it raises the question when we're talking about what we're talking about here of what do they do then I mean what if they're if I mean do we think that like someone like Michael Brantley is a great example right the guy who is who he is who we know exactly what he is DJ LeMay I think maybe a little bit different just because and we're talking about a guy with two batting titles now and uh, has that big spotlight in New York and everything that goes along with that. But Michael Brantley, a little bit older, right uh, into his mid-30s. We know exactly what he is. He's had some injury issues in his past. But when he's healthy, even amidst these injury issues, whether it's been Cleveland or Houston, has always hit the ball well. Has always hit for average. Has always had a nice on-base percentage. Always gotten on base quite a bit. And, and has hit for a little bit of power, too, in between these two stops in his career. Um, but are, are we thinking that someone like him, is going to have to take uh what would we would perceive as less than, you know, market value is what it is, but less than he is worth. And if the Cubs can't go after a guy like that who is taking less than what he is actually worth, less than what he brings to the table, and we know for sure he addresses, you know, 1, 2, and 3 of their biggest problems on offense, then what do they do if they can't even be pretend to be a player for a guy like Michael Brantley?
2: Yeah. Well, first of all, I, I think it's a great question of how, you know, how reduced our salaries going to be. Uh, is the cream of the crop that's still available? Like, uh, who is it? It's Trevor Bauer, mm-hmm. uh, probably DJ LeMahieu. There's probably some big free agent that I'm missing. Right. Uh, J.T. Real Muto. Is he a, yep, is he a free yep, agent? I believe so. Right? Uh, so there's a few of these guys that uh, you'd I guess you'd call at the very top uh, of free agency, even in a normal off season. I'm curious. I don't know. I don't have an answer for you of how suppressed salaries are going to be, mm-hmm. how suppressed spending is going to be uh, is even in these weird off seasons of past where spending was down. And that was, you know, for reasons of, oh, the front offices are all thinking the same and whatever you want to call it, uh, non-collusion collusion. Uh, it's uh, that we we still saw the best of the best get those monster contracts. I don't even know how that's going to look. It's really hard to predict. It's going to be uh, – it's it's a huge unknown factor for everything now. I would expect even the top to be down a little bit, if not significantly so. Uh, there's going to be free agents flooded into the market due to non-tendering of guys that you just don't expect. That could maybe open up some opportunities for the Cubs I think uh, just when you ask like how do they address this there's there's a couple ways that they're going to have to address this one is via trade Uh, I think that is their most natural uh, path Uh, when you talk about a guy like Kyle Schwarber he's not he doesn't have a ton of value right it's not going to be huge value but you look at his history he's a pretty solid player you know what he can bring uh, if a D if a al team i guess dh is universal now if a team that's looking for power uh is looking to strike uh, maybe at a low value guy that that's a that's a guy with upside that's a guy with they I, i think he's much better than what he showed over 60 games this season uh i i don't know if he's the guy that was in the second half of last year or not but but he's definitely a guy that a team may target to get uh, to bring some value out of. Now the Cubs need to try and <laughs> do the same as far as a contact guy maybe, right? Uh, and, and there are players like that. I, I mean, maybe it doesn't – maybe this is just a small sample size recency bias example. But uh, a guy like Chad Pinder it looks good in the postseason mm-hmm. right now, right? And and so I, I was talking to some people the other night about this, about uh, – he this is random right like this guy came out of nowhere and and this guy in baseball said actually there are numbers that said this guy needed to tweak his swing and he puts the ball in play and he puts it in play hard and this is this is why it's not completely a shock so you need to so they need to rely on either their scouts or r&d that kind of look at these numbers and say hey this guy's undervalued. This guy, if we do this to him and we have this ability to do this because we know we have this technology or we have the right coaches in place, whatever it is, right, they need to find those guys. And they've done it with the bullpen uh, to a large degree. Uh, I, I don't know if you you could say they've done it with the starting rotation in a sense that, I mean, if you want to start talking about a guy like Al-Zalai, who they who they've tweaked enough and worked so hard with, that now he looks like a real viable starting pitching solution for them they've done some of this with the pitching side which is so weird because we've talked about this for years about how they're better at developing hitters than pitchers right now i'm not sure exactly how how we view that uh, because they've done a great job of finding undervalued pitchers putting them into spots and and maximizing that talent I don't know if we can say that for hitters. I mean, who are some undervalued guys that they've had on offense that kind of nobody expected to be good? I, I mean, Luis Valbuena, is that the <laughs> last guy? Maybe I'm missing someone, but that's someone that I like off the top of my yeah. head that I'm like nobody thought anything of him. He was a, you know, he was picked up off the off I think he was a DFA or waiver pickup, right? And he was eventually valuable enough to be a key piece to trade for Dexter Fowler, right? So there are there are ways to find guys. I don't know how valuable these guys end up being if they're just like a smaller role players that come up big in certain situations or what. But they they definitely need to find a value, like a, a, you know hidden gems or whatever you want to call them.
1: Let me just uh, really quick, Patrick, throw out some of the bigger names that will be out there. So J.T. Realmuto is uh, is one of them. We mentioned. Michael Brantley and DJ LeMahieu, uh, Marcus Semien, hits the free agent market this offseason, So does uh, George Springer. Will be out there, and these are guys that we don't expect the Cubs to be going for, but uh, could you know do a go a long way towards setting the market. Maybe Justin Turner is someone who the Cubs could Brett. get interested in the past, and Marcelo Zuna is out there too. So I mean, there's there's gonna be guys out there.
2: Brett also wrote about a a Korean middle infielder that sounds exactly up the Cubs. Uh, like right up their alley, if they could spend money. I have no idea how much that guy's going to cost, but he he's a middle infielder who hits for contact, hits for a high average, uh, probably won't cost you $30, 40000000 a year or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I But I have no idea what kind of money that guy will cost and if they can even touch that.
3: I think it's interesting mentioning Rio muto because maybe whoever loses out on him is the team that the Cubs try to push Wilson Contreras on that was part of their theory at least the beginning of last offseason of all these teams are going to go after Grandal and then kind of uh, the losers of that sweep stakes might circle back to the Cubs that obviously didn't happen but I could see the Cubs trying to kind of play off the the free agent market and kind of to Sahadev's point I was looking up and I'm probably going to pronounce their names wrong but like Oh, the Yankees get Luke Void or Gio Shella. I hope I pronounced their names right, but, like... Yeah, you're good. Those guys were, like, nobodies. You know, these were minor deals, and they're now, you know, just starring on these, you know, Yankee playoff teams, and mm-hmm. that was just, you know, being right. And I think Theo said it at his uh, end-of-season press conference last year and it wrote about it. Like, there's no big, like... uh you know, theory or secret sauce behind this. It's just, just be right. Like, do your <laughs> job. I mean, the Cubs uh, have had a really big front office, even though it's been downsized recently, and Theo was paid at the top of the, you know, team president, GM market. They just have to, you know, find a, a Valbuena or, you know, trade for Tommy Stella and not give him, you know, a multi-year, you know, multi-million dollar deal. It's find a guy, those guys with, similar qualities who can come in and contribute and diversify this lineup and I think probably for everyone's sanity in that clubhouse they do need to just kind of break things up because otherwise the next time you know the season starts in April and you know guys are the offers are are piling up and we're asking about the offense again I mean that's just going to wear on those guys and I I think some new blood is is going to be a priority.
1: About about Shinsu Chu, you guys? I feel like that's someone who's, uh, you know, if you if you are assuming that you can't get the guys that we're talking about, I feel like Chu could be relatively interesting to the Cubs team. I feel like fit would be the problem, right? Because at this point of his career, um, he's got a DH. Obviously, he's an outfielder only anyways beyond that. And so maybe that becomes an issue. But he's a guy who, you know, throw throw twenty twenty out for him and always been a guy who's made contact, the guy who gets on base a ton, a guy who hits for a little bit of power. Brings a uh, brings a left-handed bat into the lineup, too. Like, if we're trying to be realistic, right? Like, yeah, go let, let's sign uh, let's go sign Marcus Semien and uh, George Springer and Marcelo Zuna and just have a really fun season, right? Not going to happen. But uh, if we're being realistic about who they're going after, I feel like that's someone who they can maybe get involved on.
3: I feel like Chu is – I'm trying to remember when he signed that huge contract, but I know the Cubs had kind of looked at him way back when of, like, that would be a really good – leader by example, someone who could show the rest of these young hitters uh, how to take a professional at-bat and and prepare and think through uh, the next pitch. And obviously, he was way out of their price range. The timeline didn't match up. But uh, I think to your point, Michael, it lines up with what Theo said the other day of there are just so many unknowns, even just in terms of the rules – of engagement, like how the games are going to be mm-hmm. played, and if there's a designated hitter slot in the National League next year, then you maybe a guy like that makes a lot more sense. But at this point, they don't know when the season's going to start, what the playoff field is going to look like. Um, you know, DH or not, just all of these factors beyond just their own internal right. finances. It's just a really hard time to to predict.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone.
1: Well, so I'd have made the point a little earlier about, uh, you know, we've always been talking for ever it seems like, in this uh, Theo Epstein administration about the fact that the Cubs have been unable to develop these pitchers. And in recent years, I guess, especially when you look at, um, unexpected success stories. They really have been all with the pitchers rather than uh, with the hitters. And we saw a couple of those. We saw one in a big way in 2020 in Alec Mills. I think Albert Alzolay fits in there enough to the point where as we sit here on – what is it, October 9th of 2020, and we look ahead to what the twenty twenty one season may or may not bring? I mean, are we penciling we're certainly our Mills? Are we penciling both of them though into the twenty twenty-one rotation with the team as it is now and what we can expect them to do in the free agent and trade market?
3: I mean, probably. I think worst case scenario, they're like, you know, six man uh in a five man rotation, and I, I think Theo the other day, uh pretty much has them penciled in Uh, in terms of Mills talking about a guy who's shown the adaptability to have a really long career in in the big leagues as as a starter. And I mean, explicitly describing Alzelay as someone they'd been waiting to see develop into a major league pitcher. And they see that now. And, you know, some of this is, you know, their hands are kind of tied. I mean, this is kind of the, what they have to, Do given the budget constraints um but i think those guys also earned it like it's not absurd to think that they're gonna have really big roles on next year's pitching staff now i don't know if we can really bank on them making 60 starts combined next year and i think depth and you know accumulating lots of more kind of interesting arms will certainly be a priority next year but um you're right in that we always thought that the pitching would sink the Cubs, that they would have all these hitters and just the pipeline w- would run dry, and they'd kind of run out of game planning magic, and and the pitch lab would malfunction. But they're every year, you know, they they figure it out on the pitching side in, in a way that they haven't offensively, and I think Theo is right in that pretty much all of these advancements help pitching and defense and it's kind of a lot easier to kind of make some of these tweaks that's just kind of where the game is trending in general it's not just like a cubs thing but it's just really jarring uh after following this team for years and how they just built up hitter after hitter after hitter and then to see these you know september fades is just really not how you would have imagined the cubs kind of going out uh you know three or four years ago
1: Yeah, and it's definitely uh, a little bit jarring also to take that and uh, look also at what's going on in the postseason. And we talk at the top about the Braves just sweeping right through the Marlins and uh, putting up a ton of runs while they've been doing it. The first round, uh, a round dominated by offense in a lot of spots. Uh, I've been sort of sick of the you know teams that out-homer their opponents are 18-0 and now in the postseason. It's like, yeah, I get that's extreme, but, uh, you know, the the home run is the only hit in baseball that automatically means you scored a run on that hit, so it should be relatively extreme. But it is still worth pointing out, I guess, that uh, you know it's a, it's been a postseason dominated by the home run, and uh, you know the Cubs uh, didn't hit enough of those uh, really all season, and certainly in the uh, in the two games that they played against the Marlins, the uh, the one run they scored in those games that Ian Happ solo homer, so. It's going to be an interesting offseason, certainly, and um, yeah, I think that's where we can leave it for this episode of On to Waveland. We will still be with you for two more episodes next week before we say goodbye for a little bit. We will be checking in periodically during the offseason. Uh, big things happen, uh, maybe so, only small things, but big things in the context of what the Cubs offseason is going to be. We'll be checking in with you, so uh, don't, uh, don't worry about uh, us just yet leaving you behind. We are going to be here uh, all offseason during the winter leading up to the 2021 season but we are not going to be here any longer today that is going to wrap things up for this episode of on it to waveland for sahad and patrick i am michael beller we will be back with you hopefully with brett taylor in tow next week until then thanks for listening and have a great weekend